The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. Four dollars, or 
40 patrons because dollar per unless you want a higher membership from the hosting costs being paid for automatically which is great because that means I'll be able to keep on doing it regardless of whether or not money's really tight that month because <laughs> right now it's still costing a little bit every month but you know, as an experiment, it's a lot of fun, and if it pays for itself, I have no excuse not to do it, <laughs> so that'd be great. So if you hear this, and you get sleep tonight, you owe us money. Well, no, I mean, it's, we're all having fun here, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let me threaten. But if you ever want to be inclined to get angry at me if I miss a month, you only can give me a dollar to do it. In which case, that's totally fair and I apologize profusely. Anyway, thanks again. You're making the show much. Not profitable yet, but much less of a drain on me, and it's a lot of fun to do, so I appreciate it a lot. Okay, so this month, uh, we watched Gremlins 2, the new batch. Not the first one. The first one's a different movie. <laughs> 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 this one this is true. It is a different movie. So this is a sequel to the original Gremlins, which came out in 1984. Gremlins 2 has a 6.3 on IMDb, a 69 on... Uh, 69 tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, but only 56 audience appreciation score, and of course 4.5 stars on Amazon, which everything has. Interestingly, the budget of the first Gremlins in 1984 was $11 million and the take was $148 million. The budget for Gremlins 2 was $50 million and the take was $41 million. <laughs> they have not made a Gremlins 3, presumably for that reason. <laughs> Both of those movies are starring Zach Galligan as Billy, Phoebe Cates as Kate. This one also features John Glover as Daniel Clamp. Uh, and both were directed by Joe Dante and written by Chris Columbus. This one also has a writer's credit for Charles Haas. Chris Columbus, you might remember, wrote Gremlins and Goonies. 
and directed two of the Harry Potter movies and all kind of stuff. Um, Joe Dante directed Gremlins, Piranha, The Howling Explorers, and Small Soldiers, which is basically Gremlins 3. Oh my god. That's actually a pretty cool resume. Oh, he's great. Maybe Uh, minus Small Soldiers. Have you seen Small Soldiers? Not a long time. The last time I tried it, I was was not as enamored with it. It's pretty good. It, uh... I mean, it's, it's better than the ones I compare it with, which are... Batteries not included, and that one of uh, the Spielberg one. Yeah, I don't. Know, I think that one's pretty good. Oh, it's it's pretty good, but it's a different. Alex Russell's better. They're also created. It does one Tommy Lee Joe. Also, one's a horror comedy and one's a feel-good elderly people saving their house Spielberg production. But I compare them because both feature uh, remote control toys as actors. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps not the fair. That's how I make my movies, too. Oh yeah, you do, huh? The stop motions? Do you still do that? No. Okay. Every three of the audience gets it. There are a lot of things I used to do. There are many things I have half done. And I will have finished many more things in the future. I thought about doing a lot. So, Gremlins was uh, kind of an unexpected hit. Everyone loved it. The... I'm going to edit out this, uh, because I forgot to have my note ready to go on all three devices at the same time. But I can do that with some behind the scenes here. Yeah. No one will see it because we're closing it up. Or it's never then one day you'll put up the unedited material. Yeah, for for <laughs> $50 a month subscribers. So yeah. Real sad. Maybe we should leave all the sad. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> save all the manatees. So, Gremlins was a uh, unexpected hit. Its main crime, its only crime as far as I'm concerned, is that it enabled all of those knockoff little puppet monster movies. So, in the six years between Gremlins and Gremlins 2, we got 
ghoulies in 
your experience with the Grimmons prior to like this week? Uh, or last week, or whatever you. I saw it as a kid, and I'm pretty sure I saw it before I saw the first one, and then, you know, I loved it immediately because it's solid gold, <laughs> and I immediately had to go out and see the first one. And I think I have been disappointed in the first one ever since. It's like, it's a solid movie. I've got nothing against the first Gremlins. It's a really good movie. It's just, uh, the second one is so much better and goes so much further and weirder with its premise that seeing the first one it's like after you've seen Evil Dead 2 I, you don't really have much desire to watch Evil Dead it's like yeah, well, they just did it again but way better I was just going to say like, I feel like a lot of people saw Army of Darkness first didn't like Evil Dead 2 so it gets creepy again. I'll see. Whereas the first one yeah. is just this weird, spooky, like really misogynist watching it again as an adult. First one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the actual horror movie, and the second one's a blend and Third one was all out comedy. This one started at like the Evil Dead 2 level, uh, where Gremlins was kind of creepy, but mostly funny, and then went full. I don't. I don't think anyone was scared by Gremlins 2. Maybe no. kids below a certain age. But I will say there are some random parts in the movie where the just the effects, the puppetry, uh, some of the images. It's real good, guys. It's really good, and there's some images like if you just took that like scene and saw nothing else would be legit scary. Like the cocoons, the spider gremlin, there there are melted. Yeah, there there are a few scenes where you're just like that's actually kind of unnerving. Yeah. Well I mean they're also as monsters they are invested in like mayhem rather than killing things, which is why they're my favorite movie monsters. But everyone who dies dies incidentally because they're busy fucking around. <laughs> 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 Like, 
like mayhem rather than death is the goal of the Gremlins because they're based very loosely on the the World War II myth. Oh, I guess the reason why things break down, but not little soldiers. Specifically, like about yeah, yeah, and have no self-preservation instinct whatsoever, which is why I love them. Uh, <laughs> the best movie monster I'm gonna say ever. I watched the entire Aliens series last week and I still like the Gremlins better. H.R. <laughs> Geiger is H.R. Geiger. Yeah. So and so Geiger. Did good design. Crimson's are better. I'm sorry. I don't know if I totally agree with that, but no, I'm just saying Crimson. Go right to him. Like what's the other? Who else is on the table for best movie monster ever? I'm still getting the Crimson. I do appreciate that now we have these popular um, blockbuster movies that introduce this cute, dangerous character like Baby Groot or whatever the fucking prog, pog things are in the new Star Wars. Pork. Pork. I mean, they're modified. Yes, but that's exactly it. It's like, it's like gremlins. They're just guinea pigs with ears. But they're going for the they're going for the gizmo. But in fact, you look at the design. Like we have animals that they're that exact thing. It's guinea pigs, Uh, which are. The best pets for kids, I think, because they... Their eyes are not as big as porks. Have you seen them? Yes. They're not as big as porks. Their eyes are a third of their... <laughs> ...jobs <laughs> top of head. They're a ridiculous animal. They're useful for nothing but food, but they're a great pet for kids, because they just sort of sit there make a little chirping noise. I love guinea pigs. That's what I'm just now discovering about myself. <laughs> the gentle beasts. They're wonderful. Um, There's the shape of peanuts and they're all fuzzy. I do I do really like that you have the really cute design of the Mogwai, which, especially with Gizmo in particular, is just fantastic. I think in both the first and the second Gremlins movies, his look is just really solid, and uh, especially in the second one, it's animated really well, so it I really believe it's alive. 
I think Mystery Science Theater did an episode on. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't watch competitors' movie stuff. Mystery Science Theater is dead to me. Oh man, he's off the time. <laughs> <laughs> they took our idea. <laughs> or your idea. Started in the last year or so. And they did it 10, 15 years ago. We launched this podcast as Radio Drama 1956, but we move very slowly, and it's taken this long to actually see the light of day as well. I think I also saw critters. They were the really furry ones with the big noses, right? I don't know. I recognize the names of some of the ones you listed. I can visualize a couple of them, but I don't know which are which. I think the critters looked kind of like the troll from Ernest Scared Stupid. The trolls and troll looked nothing like that troll. Now, uh, Troll, is that the one that is the precursor to the infamous Troll 2? Is it that movie? I don't know, because there's Troll and there's Trolls. And now there's the Trolls about, like, little troll dolls. There's also actually a movie coming out in like 2017 called Gremlins, but it's not, or Gremlin, but it has nothing to do with these ones. Are you sure? Because there's been talk of doing a third one for a while, and it was talked No, it's, near as I can tell, it's a played straight horror movie about like a lady who gets a gift that has a haunted grandma attached to it to get rid of it. She has to give it to a loved one because otherwise a curse will follow her or something. I think it's unrelated. I hate this premise. They're doing it wrong. If you're going to have anything called Gremlin, you better fuck with it. But that's what I'm saying, like, horror movie, uh, titles are a trip, so I don't know if Troll was the prelude to Trolls 2 of the fairness they're eating her, oh my god, scene, which is all I've seen of that movie. I know it has nothing to do with the Troll Hunter, which I did like. Oh, yeah. The Norwegian one, I think? Yeah. Yeah. That is an awesome. Which one mostly liked. 
Just that weird thing a lot of foreign movies do or halfway through to just explain the premise think it's very mundane. Yeah, I guess that's pretty fair. Say foreign movies like that's one culture. You know, <laughs> movies made of outsiders oh. right there. <laughs> it's, uh, European movies, I should say. Anyway. But ghouls is the one I saw. Thus far, there's like three completely different ones. One looks kind of like a rat, and one's like this little green guy, and one's... I remember the other one, it's like this weird hellraiser ritual with actually summon them, but they're only two feet tall. That sounds vaguely I remember as a kid, because I, I think I saw at least one of them all the way through, thinking back to it, because I loved Gremlins 2 so much, there's just this part of me as a kid that wants to, like, absorb all of the Gremlins stories out there. So obviously I go see Gremlins, the first one, which is great, even if it's not, it doesn't live up to, to me, what is the superior one, which is Gremlins 2, and then there's all the fucking shit that rips it off, which is like, uh, it's kind of in the spirit, but it doesn't have the charm, or the wit, or the fucking bonkers bullshit. Not intentionally so. Well, I think they As all... I recall. Wait, which one? Sorry. Uh, I don't remember which ones I've seen. I've seen a uh, I think a few piecemeal. Well, I think they all, like, Gremlins was the first one that got, I don't know if it was the first one that got big. It's the first one I know if they got really big in movies, but I think they all kind of owe their, uh, Gremlins and all of the ones that ripped Gremlins off, I think, of their existence too. Did you ever see Trilogy of Terror? No. Or Tales of Terror? No, I've never heard of this. There's a made-for-TV anthology film with three different stories. I only remember the one... Oh yeah, it was Amelia. Have you heard of the Zuni fetish doll? No. So it's just this short about this woman whose friend or father or something was out 
doing anthropology or vacation. I remember what I saw when I was a kid. It was scary when I was a kid. Uh, and since her Zuni fetish doll, which is just a, a thing from people supposedly has the soul of a dead warrior in it. It's a creepy little doll. And then it basically comes to life, chases around the house, and when she destroys the doll, she gets possessed by the things inside it. And that's where it ends, just like her cackling. She has the really sharp teeth the doll had. And it's very good considering how cheap it is, because it came out in like 1975? Yeah, 1975, and they didn't actually have, like, a puppet they could move. They just had, like, someone be holding its legs just off screen, just shaking around, like, around the ground. And, no, I mean, I know, but it's really well done, and it would be remiss to not mention that which is, to my knowledge, what the rest came from, but it might not even be. There could be much more. I remember there was a Twilight episode where there were, like, little toy alien guys because they landed a flying saucer that was, like, a yard wide on someone's roof and they had this little... So, Gremlins... Moses, Moses, uh... Gremlins owes its um, idea or its premise to sort of some earlier stuff. I mean, I wouldn't even say that because these were pretty different. But the the notion of a little inanimate monster being dragged around on screen which was used by gremlins and ghoulies and critters and all that stuff wasn't necessarily gremlins' idea that they all stole. Uh, I think gremlins opened up the door for people saying, oh, if you put a little more wine into these, you can make it look pretty good and people like it. Yeah. But it wasn't just to be fair the first movie that did, like, let's have a little monster toy that comes to life and kills everyone. That's all I'm saying. It was the first one that did it great, near as I can tell. Yeah, and essentially opened the door for... It's like there's the slasher kind of horror movies and then there's the, the little monster one. Yeah, which has been mostly absent lately. Like, I haven't done a really good was because there was one really good one, and then there was a bunch of really shitty ones, and there was one fantastic one that nobody liked. <laughs> Because the world is wrong. I think by now a lot of people like it. 
but I think that's basically it. Those are the two most relevant ones. There's gotta be... Hold on. Keep them away from bright light. That's oh, it. they don't like bright light. Yeah. Specifically, that's not a rule for preventing the trouble. That's a rule for not uh, killing them. Yeah. Which you're going to want to do when they're the antagonists anyway. Yeah. Although, so it's not even just the sun, right? Because they can get killed by, like, literally bright light. Yeah, this one, one of the movies got killed by a flashbulb. I was gonna say, uh, yeah. But so, keep them away from bright light. Don't get them wet. Don't get them after midnight. And then... I forget exactly how inevitably one of these rules gets broken by building the first one. I think it's getting wet because that makes more of the magua spawn out of the cute ones back. And they're kind of cute too, but they're all evil except for him. They don't really go into why. And then if you feed them after midnight, or if they feed themselves after midnight, they turn from the cute furry ones and these horrible reptile ones. And that's the premise, which is a lot of fun because it's completely random. <laughs> it's out of nowhere. first one's a little bit more gruesome. There's more actual horror elements. Like, I think they killed a dog or something and they killed some neighbors that are riding, riding over around and running people over and stuff. Maybe it's... The horror elements never really actually work for me in their own right. In the first Gremlins, like honestly, in some ways, the first Gremlins feels like some of the stuff that followed it, where it's just like, I mean, some of the stuff that followed it is pretty dumb, but most of it is just kind of schlocky, not great horror. Gremlins definitely does it better than that. But, at the same time, even at his best, for me, it's just sort of like, Oh, this is alright. It, it never, and possibly because I saw it second. I didn't see that first. It just, it never really takes off with its insane premise the way the second one does. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's still trying to maintain a certain level of internal consistency and, I guess, believability? I guess. The, the second one just gives up on throws out the window. Yeah, it doesn't even try for it, really. The second one, you can tell the producers were given a lot more leeway. Not the producers, the director and the writer were given a lot more leeway. And I only know this like second hand from reading articles about interviews and stuff, but apparently that was why it actually took them six years, because the science consultants was a joke. If you see the movie, you know that. <laughs> was because they kept asking for a sequel with conditions. They kept not making one. They kept shopping around and they wanted to take it. And finally, they gave back to the original creators saying, do whatever you want. And they did whatever they wanted. Including the puppet guy didn't want to come back, or the new puppet guy didn't want to do it. And then they said, we'll design new ones, you can do whatever you want with these. And go, yeah. okay. And then they kind of built the movie around the artist who did the puppet's ideas. Which is why... Vegetable serums and <laughs> turn you into a spider serums and stuff. They're lying around in the first act. God, I wish there was a turn you into a spider serum. I would drink that so fast. I might. I could basically be a drider, going to work on eight legs, and you have to like live on land. I mean, I still do. <laughs> I already do. Just no, you gotta commit to the premise. We're floating in a bayou near a drive-in movie theater. <laughs> it's... It's a real simple time. <laughs> this is not like... complicated improv stuff asking you to do Ha <laughs> ha! 
sort of thing. Well, as Spider-Man, he does sound pretty awesome, I don't think of it. Now, it has chubby legs. That'd be so good. That should be in Gremlins 3. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Humanity Spider-Monster. We'll have to agree and disagree on this as well, I think. It doesn't have anything to do with gremlins, but just put it in there. You want to just go ahead and get started on the plot? Because, like, you've seen this already. Usual spoiler warnings. We're going to talk about the entire movie. You haven't seen before, you should. It was, at least pretty recently, available on Microsoft Video for $5, which is why I picked it up and remembered how much I liked it. I would, I would get on this because, again, there were $10 million in the hole as of 1990, so you gotta help me keep on recouping those losses. But the first one, they run them off through the city. It's a very vaguely uh, Christmas themed one, and then eventually they kill them all. Because there's one, there's only one evil gremlin in the first one for a while, and then he finds water and makes an army from himself on purpose. I thought there were more than one evil one to start. Like, I thought in there were... one, I think there... Because in this one, there's five to start. I think in the other one, there was just Stripe for a long time. Because a lot of tension was because they didn't know Stripe was evil. Oh, cool, we've got two. Come here. It's been, yeah, it's been a while. I think he's hard of his several. Well, he makes several on purpose, eventually. Okay. Which is when it's sort of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, stuff's getting real. Stripe realizes he can make himself wet. Before he's a gremlin, when he's still modeling. I don't remember that part. Because I seem to remember a scene where Billy is tucking in like four mogwais. That's why I'm pretty sure there was more than one. I watched the first one again at some point. The first one I could not find for five dollars. That's a problem. But um, but this one it's taking place in New York in an enclosed building, sort of making fun of technology. That's 
worse you meant to. It's not the wrong clip from Manhattan. It didn't rent a helicopter for this movie. And Chinatown is being bulldozed by basically Donald Trump. Yes. His Daniel Clamp. There's a little bit of Ted Turner in there. He's got some the cable network. But he's a oblivious New York real estate mogul who lives on the top floor of the building. His name is Daniel Clamp. And Donald Trump has been a joke for 30 years. And will be long after he's dead, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway. And he's buying up Chinatown. Mr. Wing's shop, Mr. Wing being the guy from the first one, is refusing to sell. Mr. Wing's shop is refusing to sell. Mr. Wing's refusing to sell his shop. Uh, it says that this conflict that never amounts to anything because there is no conflict because Mr. Wayne's old nearly really just dies. Um, it's literally just to get Gizmo away for it's basically just to undo what they did at the end of Gremlins. Yeah, because the end of Gremlins they give back to Mr. Wing yeah. contained and saving him. It's like, no, we need you to go back to the character from Gremlins 1. Little did you know, he had no plan beyond his own life span uh, for keeping these things out of the world. Mr. Wing's shop is really nice set piece that don't spend enough time in it. It looks like how I was pictured Mr. Eel's magic shop from Bruce Coville's... Maybe I don't know if I've read those. Bruce Coville's like Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher, Monster's Ring, Jennifer Markley's Toad. You're all alone in this. That's okay. I'm very educated. You're entirely <laughs> alone. I'm very well read. And one of the things you should read if you happen to be between the ages of like 8 and 12 and listening to the podcast <laughs> is Using. You're so good. 
Gizmo is adorable. I think they use more puppets for Gizmo in this one. I'm pretty sure they had a few different sizes of him. Well, they have With different details. They actually show him, I don't know if it's stop motion or if it's stop motion. Yeah. Uh, they actually show him running outside, which is the first one they never do. It's always waist up or he's sitting on something. Uh, they were breaking new ground with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a whole puppet at once, guys. It's like. It's like the Muppets take New York. It's fantastic. <laughs> and it's actually kind of an adorable scene because his feet just kind of go. And they're like very clearly not touching anything as he's moving forward. It's just, just like, oh man. You are, you are doing the, the, your best here. So, Mr. Wing dies. The guys he was refusing to sell to buy his estate and then bulldoze the place. They don't even empty out the shop first, which you would loot that place first. It's got like millions of dollars worth of antiques in it. But and at least one infinity stone. <laughs> at least one <laughs> But from the drama movie, they just immediately start taking the entire thing down with the bulldozer and Gizmo has to escape. And he runs for a quarter block and then gets picked up by some random security guard from Terminator 2. And then, who I actually like a lot in this movie, but just scoops him up, and that's the entire and we're done setting that up. That's how Gizmo's gonna be here. That's the prologue. Meanwhile, we cut to main characters from the first movie who live in New York and work at the same building as the guy that kidnapped Gizmo, and their neighbors in the first movie who I could have sworn died are coming to visit them and all of the main characters in the first movie are all in New York in the same building. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. They're not here. <laughs> it's established very well. Very quickly. And really the entire in first half of the movie, at least first 45 minutes of the movie, is just setting up a lot of Chekhov's guns that they're going to get into later. That's 
established technology going through the building is this... The first smart building is what they call it. It's a smart building. Yeah. So it's a very... It's... The building itself, the claim tower, is one of the best characters in the movie. Uh, because it is like fully automated, so doors are automated, chairs and, and uh, office spaces are automated, so like if you sit in your chair too long, the office, the, the building thinks you're gone, so it turns off your power. <laughs> Which is thinks you left. Most office buildings now actually do that. Oh shit. This movie? No, I did not know that. I've had I feel like a lot of rooms, even in schools and stuff, I've had offices shut down on me before because I've been reading or something. No, but it was they have Video phones, which it took me a minute to remember that was a joke because that wasn't a thing yet in 1990. No, it's just, it's basically a starship, but it's a, it's a janky starship, nothing works, and very first guy we get is when we get stuck in the rotating... What do you call those doors? Rotating doors. Rotating. But like, and that's the part where you were first fully cements itself as a cartoon. As like a live action cartoon. Because a guy gets stuck in the in the door and it starts rotating faster and faster. And you just see him press against the door. It's like, Aah! and then it literally it throws him. And I think I think when it throws him, you even hear that. Like sound effect? Yeah, the, the banana peel. Yeah, slurry. exactly. Before he like slams into a woman who's got a bunch of papers and the papers go everywhere. And it's, it's just a background, yeah. Cause like yeah. the main character's just talking, establishing what's going but on. But it's a brilliant background gag because it's your introduction to the building. Like you walk in to that with the building welcoming you to the first ever smart building. So it's telling you. It has that long robot voice all the time. Welcome to Clamp Towers. Exactly. Which is 
endlessly funny special ed's cards. Congratulating people on going to the bathroom. Like, uh, it tells the fire alarm. You were the fire Uh, I do because it said the. What is it? The age old drama of self preservation? <laughs> like, oh, fire. <laughs> Friend, helper, and weapon. Please enact the age-old drama of self-preservation by exiting the building. It's on fire. We're on fire. <laughs> um, but even before, you know, it starts to hit the fan, the, the tower, the clamp tower is such an interesting character to listen to in the background. He says things like, have a powerful day, and, hey pal, I don't think you wash those hands if they're in the bathroom. It's like, it, it's... I wrote down a couple of times. Mr. Welcome to the men's room. <laughs> it's like, that's what I want to hear when I go to the bathroom. It's absurd that we don't have this. So we're just to the main character, Zach Galligan, playing Billy, who I haven't ever seen. I don't know if you have. Uh, I think I've seen it in one or two things, but not a lot. Uh, Phoebe Cates, who I have seen in a couple things. She's most famous for, um, Fast High, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I actually still haven't seen that one. Uh, but I know she's been in. It's. A movie of its era. It's. I think it's good. Is that where McConaughey got a start, or is that a different one? I think that's a different one. Okay. That's a different one. Uh, Sean Penn is in it as. Spud McKenzie? Or maybe that's the dog? I don't know. Oh, I uh, it's... I think they see But I recognize her from... She's been on a bunch of TV shows and like that parts. I didn't write down her filmography, but her face has been in a bunch of movies. Yes. Not always the main character, but character of note. Yeah. So, in Clamp Tower, there's all these different businesses. There's a cable TV network. There's like a yogurt shop. There's Splice of Life, which is the best name for genetics lab. Run by Christopher Lee. 
which stop right there. Jigsaw Owlman, run by Christopher Lee. This movie just like if I'm a film reviewer and Christopher Lee enters, it just gained like at least two stars. Yeah, the whole thing's been elevated by Christopher Lee even touching it. And I think you can tell he's having fun with it. Like, yes, he's hamming it up pretty hard. I don't think he was like forced to do this movie by the studio or sent it. Like, I think he's having fun. I could be wrong. As Dr. Cather, I think is his name. He's just clearly a Frankenstein, like, over the top, evil, <laughs> going arch every scene. And then there's also, there's the cable TV network, some restaurants. It's a little unclear if all the businesses work for Clamp or if he just owns the building and a couple of them are renting or what. Yeah. It's also not important really, but it is times later on that Splice of Life is a tenant, not a part of Clamp. And it's like a salon, and there's a bunch of TV studios, because one of them is run by a guy who does like a horror movie, late night show. Yeah. Well, it's weird because it's like a cable station and a mall. And, or like three malls stacked on top of each other because they have literally everything. Yeah, well, I've got, I know they have a bar, they have a frozen yogurt place, they have a salad bar. I don't remember too many others, though. And then the lab, uh, I feel like there were a lot of different shops there, if I recall. And then obviously... Well, there, there's like a, a little tourist kiosk at the bottom floor. Sure. As well as the Sonic models of that yeah. building, which was going in the future. And she works, uh, he works as a tour guide. While Billy works as an artist for the future development, whatever. Yeah, some kind of architect, I thought. Is he an architect just for the concept artist? Might be that. But either way, he works for, he helps design future projects way upstairs. We don't really need to know what else falls in the building, but the only things we see are the, the cooking show TV station, the, the yeah. TV station.
set of the talk show and stuff. This poor vampire guy's overdramatic storyline is so great and so unnecessary. Because <laughs> there's. I don't know if he's a character from the first one or not. But there's this older man who wanted to be a TV professional and instead he's stuck dressing up as Dracula and introducing horror movies play at night. And he doesn't like his job, he's friends with Billy. And during the course of the movie, he's gonna start taking seriously as a journalist. And completely take it or leave it as far as the movie structure is concerned, but I like it a lot because it's just in there. Christopher Lee and the clones are great. The clones being played by twins Don Stanton and Dan Stanton. Who are also the security guard who gets killed by the T-1000 in Terminator 2. Well, well, they're in the mom and dad save the world in Erie, Indiana. Wait, you, you weren't kidding earlier when you said they were in Terminator 2, huh? They're totally in that. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. uh, the T-1000 becomes one of them. Yeah, and that's just because they have the same guy on camera in two different places. It's much easier to hire twins than to yeah. do whatever they would otherwise have to do. But this one, they're ambiguously twins or clones. Not that big as the clones, I think, working Christopher Lee's lab. Um, because he has to, like, how's the cloning experiment coming around? The other one's like, good, very good. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the exact line, but it's pretty fun. It's kind of just ambiguous enough. To really keep it funny, I think. Yeah. Like, cause they could just be twins, but when you're asking them about cloning. Yeah, they don't do the super over the top thing, which is weird for this movie. Where they just have a bunch of that guy and he gets killed 15 times or something. <laughs> which actually would have. That worked <laughs> just fine for me. Uh, yeah, if you're missing out on one thing. Like, uh, like Sam Jackson's minions in, um, The Shadow? Spectre? He has 
fallen minions just die all the time. That's, that's a good use of long-term people, but that's going to be really awkward in 30 years when I'm not yet dead.
distrusts progress and secret longs for time when they could have been dead by now in the woods somewhere, but never actually have to look through it and so we're afraid of everything that makes her life so possible. Manatees, let it be known, are vaccinated. We're all, all of us. That's fine. What are you? Okay, don't forget about the bit. You're doing weird things in the <laughs> <laughs> I just like to imagine what our life is like. I don't have to because we're living it, but down here in the water. Wicked chill, that's as far as I thought it through, honestly. <laughs> Sometimes we get attacked by boats and we're still fine. We're <laughs> too fat. It's great. We're not always fine, it's a huge problem. I'm over most of the bayou. Billy's life 
where he has this rad boss played by a person uh, who doesn't really act anymore, Haviland Morris. I think she's only in a couple things and then... Oh, she's in a lot of things. Never mind. But she's basically Jessica Rabbit. She's got rad 80s shoulder pads. Yeah. The, the entire movie. And she's not really the problem. The problem the boss is the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. Yes. Play classic eighties dude. Robert what's his name? Robert Picardo. Yeah. Uh back when I had hair, so I took my truck muscle. He's pretty much quintessential eighties bro. Things. 
That is one that, that is one of the things that sort of the peculiar charm of the movie is you kinda go into Clam Tower expecting to hate Clamp. Yeah, you think he's the villain, but then he's like this lovable doofus who's no. just a billionaire. And especially because he's so based on Trump. I mean, the parody Trump is much more likable than real Trump. Yeah. Like, way more likable. <laughs> That's even a note I have on three different occasions. <laughs> So there's two things going on. The big boss, Daniel Clamp, likes Billy even though the Ricardo bot, the Ricardo and immediate boss doesn't, and his immediate supervisor, Jessica Rabbit. <coughs> um, doesn't have a problem with him but only likes him because she knows that Daniel Clamp likes him. She thinks he can use him. So there's that conflict which goes nowhere where she's hitting on him and like asking him out to dinner and he feels like he has to but he's very nervous about the whole thing. And then meanwhile downstairs at the lab uh, Gizmo's singing his iconic song, and the male guy hears it and hums it upstairs in the office. And Billy recognizes it because we're in the same place, and that's all they do to set up everyone come together. What's up? Can I do the song? Yeah. like that with like noticeable chords 
been separated and were distinct one from the other. I'm telling you, that's the song. Those just nailed it. The second part was just one note with your voice cracking in the middle. No, 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 it's... Link on the 
so good. I'm smarter now. I can probably do it in like 12 minutes now. I'm just gonna look it up. But it's growing up the time as a project. Getting smarter. Yes! <laughs> that should be growing up for you. I have several million counter-examples, <laughs> but... Uh, so that's the only thing that brings them together, is the... Sings the song, hears it, Billy hears the song, he comes down to steal Gizmo, and in the room they're injecting a rat with electricity in a syringe, and I am dead. <laughs> I love the science they're doing. It's the kind of science I wanted to do when I was a boy and I grew up. <laughs> That's it. They, they have a vegetable seed. What? It, is this scene where he's showing off the tomato thing? Maybe that's later. But yeah, they're yeah. working on getting a little hexo. Because when we first get. When we first kind of see the lab, it's mostly just the fuck. The. Swear. You can't swear on the internet. <laughs> it's a rule. Tony, you're not allowed to say butt on the internet. <laughs> through a hallway. 
one point it's just fucking Jumanji that is the peculiar charm of Gremlins too. It's it's just fucking weird. The old Jumanji, the the wrong ones Jumanji. No one's actually pretty good. I haven't seen it yet. No one's pretty good, but it does not involve a stampede through a suburb, so it's different. I'll give I'll give anything with the dynamic duo of The Rock and Gavin Hart. Yeah. A try. Central Intelligence is pretty good. Jumanji's very good. Yeah, surprised by Central Intelligence. I liked it quite a bit. Are there others that vote for I don't know. But I saw that and I was like, alright. These guys are pretty... These, these are some talented guys. You hear that, guys? You tune in for Gremlins <laughs> 2 and you get 15 <laughs> other movie recommendations that are much more contemporary. These ones you should see also. <laughs> so they're straight injecting Wrath like Christy from a syringe so that he can power a room with the line I, I didn't quote the line but people hate rats now but imagine if they could power their house with oh, it because we can check it with genetic electricity yes. <laughs> like this and that, that right there actually I mean aside from the weirdness of it is I think a good example of, cause like Gremlins 2 is a unique movie in that I, I've watched it like, I don't know, 10, 15 times probably in my life. And I always notice new things. You always pick up on new jokes, new background gags. Things that you forgot. Like, there's so much. They'll have sometimes like 15, 20 puppets on the screen at a time, and they're all doing something. Yeah. Uh, my background characters are doing their own little mini tableaus. They're pretty. Well, also, I've generally found it funny and weird enough that you know it's a thing where it's like you're laughing at one joke and you miss the two that come after it because you're laughing through them already yeah so that there are still things in Gremlins 2 that surprised me that I catch. I'm like, oh, that was actually, that was clever. I, I forget how many gags 
great in the movie. It never, it never feels like just like shoved in. You never feel like they're just like cramming it all in there. It always feels very sort of natural and just like whatever from this was having a great time. I mean, they, Scott Jumping had to say I recommend this movie to pretty much everyone. Like, I don't... I don't know anyone who doesn't love it, who doesn't also hate it. Like, there's no in-between. Everyone now thinks it's great or doesn't get it at all and is annoyed from the whole thing. Like, you, you will not think the movie's okay. <laughs> That's accurate, yeah. I feel like that's been true of a lot of the ones on this podcast specifically, actually. But this, this one is... I feel like those are... completely like it a lot. Well, those are the movies that will... Not necessarily the the quality. This is a, a fantastic film kind of movies. They're the ones that will stand the test of time, just for kind of being so divisive and weird. Well, it's also I mean the visuals are ironically really good. Like I put it up with Labyrinth for. Well, 
weird that they don't remember anything about it. If I can procure access to both of those, that'll be the next, uh, I'll take a vote on that if they're Well, I think Dark Crystal is. Yeah, but, uh, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let the patrons choose. <laughs> <laughs> One of two movies. <laughs> See, there's. He said access to them. Well, I need to be able to. If there's only one that I can let people go for, I'll be able to So, if you're voting. I don't want to set up a favorite dark crystal. <laughs> it's, it's or yeah, we could also do Roadhouse again. No, we can't. There's also a Roadhouse two that's out there. Movie just exists. There is. I haven't seen it yet. God. I'm. It's a I think it's his son. It can't be good because you don't have the two powerhouses that made it so good in the first place. Like, you removed the elements that made it good, so. But also, curiosity. In your mind, Swayze and Sam Elliott? Yeah, absolutely. I'll agree with Sam Elliott part. Swayze is fucking. Swayze should have been Bruce Lee, and then it would have been a good movie. I would have watched that also. Yeah. Or they could remake it with. Or a mobster. 
Dwayne Johnson. Catch you next movie line. Just listen, so that'll be uh like listen, just so you know, we appreciate you. <laughs> He's a fan of her, so there's that. <laughs> but then so does Sam Elliott. <laughs> I'm not saying you're replaceable, sir, but I'm just saying. Bring him back. This is where we get the Mr. Welcome to the Men's Room. <laughs> uh, he takes him into the automatic bathroom and he's hiding Gizmo in his desk drawer. And then I feel like in the first one it was his mom's fault that Gizmo got. What I think, think that's right. Yeah. This one's just Gizmo being kind of a turd. Because <laughs> he won't stay in the drawer. And he sneaks out as soon as Billy's being dragged off to go on his sexual harassment date with um, uh, Jessica Rhodes. Yeah. I say Jessica Rabbit just because she blows smoke in people's faces and has red hair. Like, it's the only comparison, honestly. Yeah, I was a little... I was wondering about that. I was like, I, red hair was really the connection I had. Well, she has, like... I think she has, like, the slit skirt. It's just, like, three or four things missing. Like, oh, I know this harmony. But, I don't know, I just don't remember her actual name, that's the one thing. I can look up her actual name. Character's name is... Uh, Marla Blood? Yeah. Yeah. Marla Blood? That's right, I wouldn't say her name more often. I didn't remember the blood, but I remember the Marla. Interestingly enough, I don't know. I, I didn't realize they named her or gave her last name. I mean, it's a good last name. Is it just Marla blood, or is it being cut off by you? Marla Blood stuff or something. Marla Blood Bath. Marla Blood. Oh my god, I wish my last name was Blood Bath. I think you don't actually. <laughs> I think that would be really inconvenient if that would be. it's your Blood Bath, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's actually the response I want from people. 
Marlon Bloodstone. Okay. It's not as cool. Is that like a comic character in the Bloodstones? Elsa Bloodstone is a comic character. That is not Vampire yeah, they're in um, Next Wave Agents of Hate. Which is like a parody of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's alright. Choose a character in Marvel Avengers Alliance, which is the Facebook game. Yeah. Garrett played compulsively. Which they unceremoniously brought to a close around the same time as they did with uh, the other big Marvel games as soon as Disney bought the property because Disney hates gamers. Well, free gamers who won't buy products because it was a free Facebook game and I loved it. Collector guys, you did real quickie. One of the guys I collected was Elsa Bloodstone. She had a shotgun. My favorite guy was Agent Venom, though. She didn't even know that Agent Venom was Venom, that I changed the character and stuff. Yeah. I learned a lot about comic books from the stupid Flash game. Um, because I had an office job and I wasn't about to work. So it was. Anyway, listen, Gremlins 2. There's this movie on a wide tangent. I'm trying to. Look, I'm trying to find common ground with as many listeners as possible. Do you like food? We also like food. What kind of food do you like? You guys Next burritos on humanities. <laughs> I have a friend who's actually from Mexico. He says burritos aren't a thing down there. It's like a North Amer- It's like a United States of America, North American only. The burrito. So I love that. It's like the chupacabra that makes the burrito part of, like, like, possibly the most valuable contribution of the United States of America to, like, you walk on the moon, whatever, but burritos. Is what we we'll remembered for. If they spread, which they should. Because it's also pizza. I do like our version of pizza better. Well, yeah, because also uh, it's very different from what it was originally in Italy. Well, it's different, like city to city. Like, we've got West Coast pizza. So, which is, I think, better than legitimate so yeah. although maybe just because the blood, the bread is much fluffier, not the blood. 
Brunswick Fulvier, then we've got Chicago Pizza, which is like a quiche. I actually like it a lot, but it's barely pizza, Chicago style. You don't like it? Um, I mean, all I could pizza was a soup. I'll eat it. A lot. <laughs> And then we've got New York style, which is rubbery garbage. People from New York insist is really good. <laughs> I said it. Gauntlet thrown, rubber with grease on top isn't food. <laughs> I don't care how much it looks like giant floppy pizza. It's like microwave stuff, although it's also pretty cheap and by the slice, and that's good just as well. I'll give it that. Maybe I haven't had authentic New York pizza. I mean, I haven't been to New York. It's. We have many listeners there. I want to offend. It's loud and crowded in a way that made me very nervous. Then that's pretty much it. Alright. And I might be going to law school there in like three months. We've summed up New York. Your move, New York. I mean, it's. I stayed there for a week. I don't know. You know it. You know it. You know it in a week. Although it's also a lot cleaner than people said. Because, like, there's this stereotype about all the rats and, like, the whole place smells like gasoline, urine, and stuff. It doesn't really, like, San Francisco's worse. It's just crowded, but it's not actually that dirty for how crowded it is. It's much dirtier than like any major city in Canada, because Canada's weird, but uh, I did not notice the filth that people attribute to it. So New York is less dirty than everyone in the world thinks. It's less dirty than San Francisco downtown, which is made of urine. So that's <laughs> not necessarily fair. Comparison for. I would go to a town made of urine. I want to see that. Well, it's... Chicago's <laughs> Although now nobody pours a lot to live in San Francisco, so it might be... cleaner? Might be more neglected? I don't even 
I don't think I can afford to even drive through San Francisco anymore. Hmm. The bridge costs me twelve dollars to get across or something. I can't do it. Well, hear that San Francisco? Listen, San Francisco, if you're gonna have a toll on your bridges, you gotta have it going both ways. You can't invite someone into your city and then charge them to leave. Sometimes they don't carry cash. Turn me away at the gate so I'm not trapped in your city. That's kidnapping. <laughs> So like gremlins. Damien <laughs> <laughs> Clan come down from his office. This is the first occasion where I wrote my notes. Harry Trump is much more likable than real Trump. Gizmo, I noticed he's wearing like a morning armband. He's wearing a black armband if I have it. Yes! They've gotten that already. I don't know if that... I should double check. I don't know if he had that since Mr. Wing died and it was like uh, he's in mourning or if it was a thing like Splice of life put on him. I wonder if that's a thing just to better distinguish him from the other mogwais that he created. Pretty visually distinct. And they also mentioned at one point, like, they're trying to take the armband away. He's like, he likes it. Yeah, I remember that, too. Or it's just a setup for when he becomes Rambo. Fair enough. I thought it was a... I feel like black armbands are a sign of mourning, though, aren't they? Uh, maybe. Not familiar. In, you know, cultures. I don't. I associate armbands with. So he's mourning the uh, Mr. Weinstein and Nazis mostly. I think so, yeah. Uh, That's kind of a cool thing. I like that. I'll just say it is that. Yeah. So. Kiss. Kiss. The dramatic Mogwai character is in mourning, evident by his black armband that he wears because he likes it. They, they push the cartoon thing a little bit further when he makes a paperclip rope to 
escape from the destroyer, there's a power drill sound effect when he's constructing his paperclip chain on screen. You just hear like paper noises coming from inside the desk. And that's when this exotic Canadian restaurant is the best thing I've ever seen. And I wish it was an actual chain. The dessert is called chocolate mousse. It's a moose head made of chocolate. It's great. All of the waiters are dressed as Mounties, and they have the accent. I'm not going to do the accent, because they can't do the accent. And he's on the weird date, and Marla is trying to hit on him, but he has catered home, and that seems like it's going to be thing, which is also entirely dropped on the Jones show because that's much better. And bring it back for a hot minute. Yeah, and like, like literally, not even literally a minute. Like it's, bring it back for two rounds <clears throat> back and forth. They bring it back so they can go, no, we dressed. Right as they sweep it away. No, I mean, I. Fair. I'm, I'm not. I'm playing. I like this. I'm not, I'm not defending it as. Uh, I'm not saying. Oh no, they dealt with it. I'm saying. It's not even a thing they forgot about. It's the thing that they brought back later on. So they go. Yeah, we did it in the laziest, most like half-ass way. Which again, the charm of gremlins too. But that's not where the plot is, because meanwhile, Gizmo, who's broken out, gets splashed with water by a repairman who's fixing the drinking fountain because Gizmo only moves very, very slowly and can't get out of the way of things like just water falling on its head. Um, and spawns four more. There's goopy eyes, buck teeth, Grumpy, older-looking one, and rad mohawk punk guy. Yes. In a meant-to-look into these are the same ones as the first movie. I think they're not. I think the first one, I remember Stripe was the one. He just had like a look visually pretty similar to. Uh, Mohawk guy. Um, but that was pretty 
St. Luke to them in their mob wife form, which is carried over very nicely into their lizard form. Like you can tell exactly which one is which. Yes. Because each have the one over the top trait. I Also, basically a baby. 
Because babies are just cats. Yeah, but I think everyone knows how lame it is to have babies. <laughs> I would hope so. It's it's work people do for work thirty years later when they're retired and can't work anymore. No one thinks babies are great. <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. I hear I hear plenty of pro baby propaganda, and I shoot that shit down. Describe to me some of your pro baby propaganda. Um, babies are just adorable. False. They're little old people. They're just ugly little things that make stupid faces and loud noises and poop. Like, you might not know this about babies. Perhaps no one told you before you had one. They poop. I feel like you're not. I feel like this isn't quite the ongoing revelation you think it is. I think babies being a pain in the ass is very well established, as is the poop conundrum. <laughs> I think most people disagree with you on their not being cute, but so do I, and I don't really know how to approach that one. Well, they're like cats in that regard. I generally, well, I'm not against cats, I just, I don't look at a cat and generally think that's cute. Dogs, yeah, but I, I don't necessarily have that same uh, affinity towards cats. Well, I think for you, cute is in behavior. Well, not eye-to-mouth ratio. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not being an asshole. <laughs> It's directly tied to that. That's fair. Babies and cats fail miserably. (laughs) (laughs) But they both have very tiny mouths and very large eyes. I think that's just what it takes for most people. Anyway, I think that the group one is also pretty cute. But, does nothing but throw food in this poor support her thesis, because I hate that little monster. Uh, I hate him so much. It's the only part of the movie that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't would keep him. Okay. <laughs> saying he's cute, and he does nothing but throw food at Kate, who 
Like poor Kane. Who should have been the main character. Straightening is so far consistent of kind of weaselly boyfriend ditching her at the very last second because couldn't figure out how to phone his office voicing this job on her she doesn't want to do getting food thrown at her all evening and then he comes back with lipstick on his face and that's just bail him out of jail like an hour later and that's her entire evening. The neighbors show up. Um yes. Yes. That's all true. At the same time, do you not think when she picks up this fucking obviously not Gizmo, googly-eyed, fucking disgusting beast that she she has a relationship with Gizmo. She met Gizmo in the previous movie. She doesn't see this thing and go, ah, that doesn't feel right, and I know you can multiply. I feel like maybe something went wrong. Well, no, because she's, she says that to Billy. She's like, no, idiot, don't multiply and things are wrong. He's like, no, 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 I've taken all the precautions. It's only Gizmo up there because he's an idiot and he's lying. Yes, he's, okay, and you're right about that. So then when she goes, up there, and she goes and gets the only mob boy there, and she sees him immediately. But, but again, she has a relationship with him was six years ago over one night, mostly running from his spawn. Which didn't look anything like him. I don't, I, well, because there's, there's, they're white and either brown or black. Well, no, but I mean, by the time she met them, they were all the lizard. They were all gremlins on Broadway. Right. But I'm saying, like, two Marvel way more similar than Gizmo and the Alright, fair enough. Uh, and she total of like 12 hours six years ago. Alright. But I mean, that's, that's one thing I always saw in the movie like, God damn it, Kate, you had one job. Now, her mistake is trusting Billy to be like an adult about anything. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Nothing wrong. <laughs> Hello! And then, at that point, we're, we're essentially judging Billy for. Because, I mean, he wasn't like 
Look, it's not like he was looking for... I'm judging Billy for not taking any precautions in Gizmo whatsoever. Not standing up for himself against his boss to A, save the city from this incredibly dangerous mystical monster he knows he has in his desk drawer, and B, not beat it to his girlfriend. I guess that's it. Just Oh, hold, hold the phone. I'm team Kate over team Billy if they're opposed. Okay, I mean, as far as that goes, I would be team Kate too. I mean, they're both kind of boring characters, to be quite honest. But Kate has a point. Kate has these standout scenes in both movies. So I am... And we'll get to that in a minute. But I am full on Team Kate in that regard. But if I'm judging uh, Billy's uh, ethics, like, he wasn't looking for Gizmo. He was just trying to live his life as this poor schlub seems to be barely getting by, I feel like. Even though he's got this amazing job, but he's got this boss who's always kind of overbearing and you're not doing well if you're doing the wrong thing. This is completely wrong even though I told you to do it exactly this way. And also he's not handling stuff. Like, the first scene we get, he's being chewed out for having a houseplant in his desk, which he's been told several times to get rid of and somehow not managed to get rid of this, like, ah, half-pound houseplant over the last week or two. But that, that is a sign of our hero because he appreciates actual life instead of this sterility of the office environment. Like, I'm half kidding? <laughs> I, I'm half kidding, because I don't take it that seriously. But the movie does comment on that sterile office environment with the don't put up your art because we have this approved art which is like three shapes over each other in different colors. But I'm just saying like the only time Billy ever does it right it's sheer coincidence and other people prodding him towards it. Like he he voices his responsibility on Kate. It's not her problem, it's not her job. She doesn't want to have anything to do with it. She does it anyway and then he gave her the wrong instructions because he was lying when he said he took any precautions whatsoever. 
I wouldn't say it was mine. You can't handle throwing out a house puzzle, apparently. Because the thing about that was to find it was I forgot over the course of last week to do the only thing I was told to do. Because I'm Billy and I suck. <laughs> Appreciates life. He is the druid of Clem. He's the dryad. Now, druids have to learn things and be good at <laughs> Because I'm referring to Dungeons and Dragons um, druids, not like the druids. He can draw. Which, if you've been to England, druid. Hold on a second, because I think you're forgetting. Billy draws like a motherfucker. And also, he actually has some pretty clever ideas. I can draw like a motherfucker. You can't draw like Billy. But I can. No. Probably not the same timetable he can. I love you, but no. It's just, it's just me. Shoot down this drink. It's vanishing point in shading and having a protractor. Also, it's... Yeah. Uh, through the course of the movie, he has some good ideas. Like, the way he... And we'll get... I don't want to jump to the end, but... The way he finishes off the gremlins is pretty cool and unexpected. Just, I'm putting my foot down. Free rides over. Billy. Cats. New York style pizza. And babies. Oh, babies is your thing. I'm okay with No. No, if we're, if we're dumping on cats in New York. Pizza. Babies are getting thrown in. I'm not dumb, man. I'm just saying. Free rides over. <laughs> Billy and cats and New York style pizza. I'm dumb, man. <laughs> what else did I say? I'm sure I said something else. Canadian <laughs> 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 acting 
horse civilized and everyone and in my Go back to where you are. Go back to the objectively higher quality of life. <laughs> Don't bother me down here with your polite deference and not starting fights over nothing. Okay, so... The neighbors for the first movie come over because they've... They were gonna show up the next day, but they caught an earlier flight, or they drove faster or something. Yeah, I don't remember why. They show up early because reasons. I wonder if that's like a generational thing, like... I would never show up if I was crashing with someone a day early. That, that's... That's a violation, guys. It's funny because... Them being in the movie at all is really weird. I think they were just like the favorite extras from the first movie or something? I, I, I mean, they were, they were at least, uh, Willie? No, it's not Willie, it's, uh, well, he was kind of like a mean old, like, racist jerk veteran the first one was maybe I, I, he was the one who gave me the explanation somewhere else like that in a different one, I forget. He, well, he gave me the explanation of Gremlins in the first movie. That they mess with your stuff and then he gives you the background of uh, them being part of the myth of World War Two and stuff. Oh, right, and everyone thinks he's crazy, and he thinks he's crazy now. Yeah, he the first Gremlins was like a hallucination, which I love that. Oh, that's fun. Um, his wife just gets left behind and appears again at the end. Although that his friends, this young couple, are like benevolently gaslighting for the whole thing. They have a drum in their closet. It's a little messed up. <laughs> but their inclusion in the movie at all is really weird. And I don't know. I like, because he doesn't save the day, or I, 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 I don't recall him making yeah. a big contribution. He, he saves Billy from the dentist. Does he? Is that him? Yeah. You're right. And he helps with the last plan part. 
I guess it is helpful to have a few more characters who have some experience and sort of like, oh, they're going to do this, you know, like, why would they, what? That doesn't make any sense. He's like, yeah, because they're gremlins. Well, it's not structurally necessary, but neither are most of the side characters. It's sort of just a... Fair enough. I, I think well and I think this movie's making fun of itself a lot and making fun of other 80s movies a lot because the whole hey and also those two people from the first movie who had a tangential connection to they're here they're just like I think they're doing that on purpose Next one is, oh no, they ate. Because you see the Gremlins. Where are they eating? Are they stealing? It's like the cafeteria. Yeah, no, it's like the cafeteria area. There's a few gags of like, uh, something about rats. Right, Uh, but but they're still being stealth, right? Did she say, she saw rat? She said there are no rats. (laughs) Why would she say that? Have you been, have you been in that new restaurant? There are no rats. And so they're, their plot just be like scaring around, hiding and eating food people are dropping. You never see them move faster than a third of a mile an hour when they're on screen because these slow moving puppets. But then it's implied they can get around and hide or something even though they just never do on screen. Well they're kind of just intercut into Billy trying to do stuff like trying to turn off the power or the water. Right. No, but I was like Gizmo too. He have his Oh life. yeah. He's going through the vents or something, but every time you see him on camera, he's moving in slow motion. Yes. Sort of like not even as strong or agile as real life roads his size, just this kind of... You do see him occasionally... You see occasionally a gremlin dart across the screen, when clearly someone's holding their legs. Underneath the shot and just throwing them around. But yeah, by and large, if they're being animated, uh, they're just moving kind of slow. Like, the, the interesting thing is to do with scale, like how he needs a rope to get down from the bottom drawer where, like, Six inch fall, and even to scale, like 
things that says don't weigh as much. Scrolls yeah. can fall 40 feet and they're fine. It's not the, you know. But as I recall, the... Because we don't see the gremlins necessarily really, really, when they're mogwai still. We don't see the mogwai moving around the cafeteria. We just, like, we'll cut to a bunch of people eating and talking and a few little uh, quippy gags. And then the camera will pan underneath the table and you'll see their legs and the little mogwais eating the food that falls to the floor. Yeah. And then you cut that with Billy trying to shut off the water of the whole building. Yeah, he just said the best way to deal with this situation is like a terrorist attack. So he's gonna break into the basement and destroy the water main? Something like that. Because he wants to keep water from getting into the building, so he's gonna flood the building. Oh, is he? I thought he was just turning off the water. Oh, you might be right. Wasn't he doing something with an axe or no? Uh, possibly just getting to where... Oh, right, just cutting his chains. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, so I believe he was turning off the water. And then the guard shows up with a gun. Yeah. Which is perfectly appropriate at that point, I think. Like, because he's not always going to do with the water, but he's trying to get through a lock. Poisoning something. Oh, I just like the security card having gun. Well, yeah, that's like um, this security guard is not fucking around today. So he gets arrested, and we fast forward to the reason we all came to the movie. Because we're just ignoring that whole, like, they're transforming. They're transformed. It's fine. So it's, I think, the 42 minutes and a half mark. And it really kicks off because now the gremlins are here and they're going to do gremlin stuff. Like, let's not overlook. How there the gremlins are fully introduced into the film either because that's one of the things I I love the most about the movie is because you have the whole setup of, you know Billy he knows what's gonna happen and he's got a plan to stop it gets interrupted by the guard. The guard gets attacked by, I think, still a mogwai. All right, the yeah, it literally like, big bag. blew it to his nose, 
so that his arms can just wave. Right, and he looks into his bag and the the oh. mom was in yeah. the bag, so it jumps out on his nose and bites him. Uh, Billy gets brought to the headquarters of Clamp Tower, which is one of my favorite uh, little set pieces. He is taken to jail first. Oh, she has to bail him out. But isn't. Oh, I guess that's true, isn't it? Okay, and then he goes back to work and he's taken upstairs right away. It's like, how do you not know you're fired? Uh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Uh, when he's taken away, though, it's one of my... F- I don't know if I'd say my favorite shots, but it's one of the few shots in the movie where it's, like, actually creepy. Because he's being led away by the guard with a gun, and it pans up, and above the pipes you just see these sort of reptilian figures kind of bundled up, cocooned, and dripping. And it's... uh, image that would not necessarily be totally out of place in like aliens and that's got the egg thing going on yeah and it looks really creepy and except better because it's gremlins not xenomorphs exactly and as established gremlins are better monsters Three rides over aliens franchise. <laughs> right, so, so Billy got sent off to jail before while the gremlins are eating. Yeah, and then now they're they're lizard guys or they're amphibian guys or whatever for the rest of the movie. Still not so distinct though, like the puppets they use for Google added Lizard Gremlin and still looks Gremlin. Yeah, like you They're can still recognizable in both forms. Yeah, yeah, very different looking. But also just the puppets are not so distinct from each other because they're pretty easy to just make. The Gremlin 15 times. Yeah. I wish in the first one there was like the one distinct one, then there's a bunch of the Gremlin copies with slightly different paint jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Just to have that sort of like, some are kind of stripy, some are kind of speckled. They're all yeah. like somewhere between like mustard yellow to green to brown, but it's just like you can tell apart. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, even before I start getting to the next stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But when they introduce the the gremlin proper, they do something really cool because so Billy after he gets out of jail, after he gets bailed out of jail, he goes back to Clamp Tower and is immediately brought to the sort of uh, CIC of Clamp Towers. Yeah. Which is a very interesting room. And he's telling his boss, who's the 80s bro, like, what's going on? tells him, you know, there's these creatures, they're going to spread and multiply and hurt people, and everyone in the control room is like, oh, this guy is having a psychotic episode, and they're laughing at him. Uh, he's telling them the rules and they're laughing at the logic of the rules, for instance. You know, if, if a creature gets food stuck in its teeth that dislodges at 1201 uh, after midnight, does it then turn to a gremlin. It's on an airplane or across the towns. They're asking all questions like the audience has. Yeah. With, uh, and I don't know if that's the first time, but that's like the first most, the, I mean, that's the most notable time it first starts commenting on itself. And poking at itself, which is a thing I love about Gremlins too. It was meta before meta was super popular. Uh, yeah. And in the middle of them laughing at the rules, the Gremlin just bursts absurdly. Out of the control panel. And eats a guy. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. What? What the It's just how? the perfect timing. <laughs> it just is so stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it knows it. And that, that's the thing that I think... And that's the Mohawk one, the, the leader. I think so, yeah. It's the only one that looks actually kind of scary. And then after that, it, they're all kind of terrified. Um, and they're like, oh shit, this is real. And we got to deal with this. Yeah, it's so, it doesn't... Eat the guy, like scratches his mouth and bites his nose off or something. But he's still in the rest of the scene with like a, a rag held to his face. Oh, is he? I thought he got killed. I mean, obviously, it doesn't eat him all the way through. 
very yeah, it, it's it's much more like the only people that movie are kind of off screen. They must have died from incidental accident stuff, or they kind of cause themselves, which helps the humor extended to kill a lot of people in the first one. But it's implied that you're in about as much danger as if you're getting bombed by like a raccoon. Uh, or like, it hurts, but this isn't fun. Yeah. Um, but then you cut to, I think, I think my favorite character, uh, Microwave Marge. <laughs> Who's <laughs> <laughs> played by Kathleen Freeman, <laughs> the drunken cook. Yeah, yeah, the drunken microwave-specific cooking host. Microwave-large, kind of my hero. She's the best. Cooking show, it's all about things you can microwave at home. Just adding cooking wine, she's also just drinking the cooking wine, and she's super sloppy and it's a show that I watch every day. But if I'm not gonna give us a Gremlins 3, at least give her her own TV show. That's uh, the actress died in 2001. I am sad. At. How old was she? Um, she died in 2001 at the age of 82. Whoa. So she was already like 70 when she was making this movie. This woman is my hero. Well, what's her name? Uh, Kathleen Freeman, born February 17, 1919. Oh shit, Kathleen Freeman, wherever you are, this one's for you. This one's for all of this. I was or something. I'm joking. It's All you gotta do is open your mouth and your drink. That's, that's true. That's why I live this life. Um, my friend Marge is the best. This girl was hidden in the oven at her giant comedic cooking pot. Grandma's actually looked really unironically cool. I don't here. Then they just started throwing a bunch of belly tinsels into the microwave and she screams the line. They're Throwing metal utensils into the microwave. You can't do that. <laughs> 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 
I forget, does that cause them to reproduce more? Or is it just the... Oh! Yeah, because it the causes a fire, which causes the sprinklers. Yeah. It's also just the gag, because you're not supposed to put metal in the microwave, because it sparks and it ruins the line of the microwave. And this one, it blows <laughs> sets the room on fire um, chases out like and this is when they introduce the the tourist group oh yeah there's the there's the guy from UHF and Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles. Yes. Yep. Uh, who's obsessed with the cameras thing? Yeah. Uh, and well, I because he's a uh, he's a caricature of Asian stereotype tourist, Asian tourist stereotype from. I mean, the stereotype, I think, comes from that era of the 80s. Yeah, which honestly is the thing I forgot about until you mentioned it a little while ago. Yeah. Um, because I just, I forgot, like, Asians and cameras were a joke for a long time. Because I was just thinking, like, oh, He's a photography guy, and then I remembered. No, it's like a totally racist character. Because, like, now it's millennials camera thing, and I think that's not really a joke anymore. Yeah. I haven't seen it nearly as much. Well, because, yeah, because he's just, like, constantly taking pictures of everything. Yeah. And I I know a lot of people like that. Yeah. They're annoying. I forgot it was an Asian thing. Yes. That's possibly a problem. (laughs) (laughs) According to 1980s America. And I don't know if it's mad or not, because I didn't quite get the joke. But that might be the big plot on Gremlins 2, if we're being fair. Let's see, the. They go upstairs, this cements that they're my favorite movie monsters possibly of all time. So also just hurting each other, like having little <laughs> pots and pans fight, because the one that keeps laughing and everything keeps throwing it at the grumpy one who's trying to blow up the microwave. And neither of them are doing anything intelligent or directly murderous. They just really want to fuck up this cooking show set. <laughs> <laughs> I love how pure their motivations are. 
Yeah, no, it's through the best. It's mayhem, not death. The death is never all side effects of mayhem. Uh, I didn't break the strip. Come on, there's much more. It cuts to upstairs where Daniel Clamp is ordering a spontaneous festival of appreciation for himself. Oh my god. Yeah. Ugh. This movie is put out the word on. years ahead of its time. Which is gonna put out the word on, on his own news propaganda network that he owns. For 20 years ahead of its time. Yeah, no, it's 30, yes. It's like 30 years old, huh? It's 28 years old at this point. Jeez. But I love the specifically the the words how about we throw a spontaneous or ask them to throw a spontaneous festival appreciation. Gremlins too has the wit. And then the secretary is taking down these notes, and then she screams and he can't hear her anymore, and he actually goes out and checks and sees if she's okay, like, this is where I think they made the decision, you know, he's not just a villain, villain, he's going out to check and see you know, what happened in a second, yeah, fine, it sounds like she was having some sort of medical issue, so he runs out there, and there's no one in the chair, right? The gremlin isn't wearing her. She's just gone, if I recall. And is the gremlin, like, wearing her shawl and typing, or is that something I think else? so. No, yeah. I think, I think it appears and is impersonating her to a ridiculous degree, if I Yeah, because it's just sitting there typing, like, She's presumably dead, right? Yeah, I guess this eater or something. <laughs> <laughs> like you never see her again. Which is great because so Daniel Clamp's experience with the gremlins is he's having a normal, wonderful day. And then he hears his secretary scream, he's like, that's weird. Decides to check it out and sees a monster. He runs out there full of concern. That's why I sort of like the character. He's this billionaire saying, oh my god, Margaret. And so runs out there or whatever the... Not Margaret, that's the, the microwave lady. But whatever it is. And then fights the gremlin and shreds it in the shredder. <laughs> and it's great because it bites on his hand. And 
they just mulch it into this green goo, which is what they use instead of gore for the gremlins, uh, which totally works. It makes them sound like they're made out of vegetables or something. Foreshadowing uh, from later. So the shares are the goose great. Billy but person asks if he's alright, and the one is like, yeah, I think so. I, I hate using these things myself. Some words, but the only things I was 
two, except for the one. Bad imitations and just like cackling and making fun of things. And then they, <laughs> then they kill Leonard Maltin. Who? The, the movie critic. Actually, I think did give a pretty poor view to the first Gremlins, and so I just asked him, do you want to be in the second one? Which is one of my favorite parts also. I just, I love how much the movie stops the plot entirely to poke fun at itself. Well, I mean, the... There's no, like, plot. <laughs> like, that's a... So that's a overall structure. Like, we're, we're past the setting things up one. And then, basically, for the rest of the movie, until the very end, they come with a plot to stop them. It's just... We're going around the building watching Romans fuck things up. <laughs> and it's pretty hilarious. And... It's the, if you only have time to see half the movie, start at like minute 42 and then just watch this part. <laughs> because it's just uh, a bunch of puns destroying things. But it, there's a scene in a sort of act movie style show where Leonard Maltin, who's playing himself, is reviewing the movie Gremlins and pointing out how it's really overrated. He doesn't see why anyone would actually enjoy this movie. Uh, and then Gremlins murder him with his own tie. Just sort of jump up behind him and corrode him. And that's. That's the whole scene, right? Yeah. Well, and then as they're attacking him, he changes his mind and says it's brilliant. <laughs> so he just he tells them he'll watch it if they won't kill him. He's like something to that effect. He never actually takes back any of the insults. He's like, no, oh my god, stop it, I'll watch it, I'll watch it, or something, but it's not. So it gets, it's as mad as it's going to get. It keeps coming back to some of the girls are torturing Gizmo in like, hitting with toy trains and stuff or just these weird little yeah and I guess uh, torture envisioned by what a eight year old child would think torture was yeah he, he's tied to the train tracks like one of those old west villains but it's a toy train so if I hit someone falls over 
and then one of the gremlins that it controls with the conductor hat is saying, fuck you, dear. But it's like, it's a little sad because he's so cute. They're just like, they're bullying him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the part that makes it. It's funny like, like, weird torture. Like, just hazing. Yeah, no, it's like, it's... They're trying to torture. And it's just bullying. And I mean... How, how much you differentiate the two is up to you, but like... Well, they get it with a wire at one point, don't they? They like, shock him or something. Do they? I thought so. I didn't think it... Maybe... Maybe. Yeah, because it, it definitely escalates. But it's like, it's 80s bully level. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. less dangerous than the Cobra Kai. <laughs> uh, in the Karate Kid. Was it Cobra Kai? I don't know. I think you can Like, it's nothing that serious. <laughs> <laughs> they're just homicidal. Yeah. We're bullying you to death. <laughs> Outright murderous 80s bullies. Uh, and then we go to the lab. Yes, That's we do. This veggie transformation is legit impressive. Right, they're just injecting themselves and drinking themselves or drinking beakers of stuff. And the vegetable one, whose ears like suddenly crinkle into lettuce while you're washing, and then like tomatoes start uh, spreading. Blistering on his face, like it's really cool. Uh, that scene is. I mean, I saw this when I was a kid, and it was my favorite scene then. And so it's it's hard to differentiate because it's it's, it's a very imaginative scene. It's a very imaginative scene. Because you get to see all their different creature designs for the gremlins, and none of them are sensible. Where it's like, oh, it'd be cool for a gremlin to make itself into this. It's all just like random shit. Uh, one becomes like a bat. One becomes a vegetable, one becomes lightning. Yeah, well, it's injected with the lightning and becomes a drawn on the frame. <laughs> lightning cartoon? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one becomes smart, one becomes a woman. The one that goes smart grows glasses. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
and this is when like fires are starting, the fire alarm comes on, and it's the building saying, quote, fire, the untamed element, enact the age-old drama of self-preservation, <laughs> and everyone is just sort of listening and doesn't realize it's a fire alarm, it's too calm, and then they do, and then they start running. And I think but that's exactly enough beats for like, what? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and I think that's the scene where you start having birds flying through the hallways and camels running through. Yeah. I think that's the same scene. Yeah, it's just That is 
brilliant. Yeah. And like, and the rest gets weird. I don't know of any other movie that did that. And I mean, like, now I can see why people don't appreciate it as much. Because if you didn't grow up in that era where that could be a thing, like, it just would strike you as strange. Right. Well, in Gravity's three, it would have to be like that rotating circle icon that tells you Netflix lost connectivity or something. Or you'd be like, fuck, and then you'd start, you'd get up from the couch, but if they make your own story, I hope they do that thing again. Where you're watching it digital and then just sort of freezes and skips up a little bit and does that pixelated thing. If they have, if they go internet out or something, but if they didn't do that, I feel like they failed as a movie. Because, like, that you have to do that. But then it gets a little weird because then you have. It cuts the log of the theater, and people are coming out and complaining, A, the movie stuff working, B, that it's a dumb movie, which I kind of like. It's even less than the first one. It's just like, I don't make the movies, man. <laughs> and goes to get Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> so Hulk Hogan is sitting in the theater that we're apparently all in with him and threatens the gremlins in the projection booth that he's gonna come up there if they don't put gremlins 2 back on and they are scared of Hulk Hogan, so they shut up and they put Gremlins 2 back on. I feel like didn't they do something like that in Blazing Saddles? I don't remember. Okay. I want to say no, because I want Gremlins 2 to have done this first. Well, I remember at the end of Blazing Saddles, they definitely drive off Set and go to the premiere of Blazing Sounds <laughs> at some point. I don't know if they do quite as many weird turns as they do in all those and all those. But it. I would have left it at the. the. I think that was stronger than whatever they're I half agree. Well, because, so, after, you know, they're doing the Shadow Puppet song, then they put on their own movie, which is sort of a super softcore nudie movie. Yeah, it's like a real a nudist colony. <laughs> well, 
tennis and people swim here. And the griffins are just giggling in the background. It's my favorite thing ever made by humans. And that part's great. I was thinking we'll have been there if it stayed on the screen and like kept the gag going through action. I, I mostly agree with you because it's a little weird when they cut to. Okay, so now we're in a. Now the movie is in a movie theater and we're gonna go ask Hulk Hogan to put the movie back up. Like, it breaks the meta-ness. I mean, I don't hate it either way. Yeah. It's just, it starts a stronger gag than I agree. At the same time, they definitely brought in Hulk Hogan for just that one moment. And I love that they did that just from that one moment. He just he stands up and tears his shirt off and he yells at the girls for the movie back on and they do and that's it. It's kind of the best. But what happened right before that that we skipped was the outside scene where the gargoyle fights the neighbor. Yes. Because it, it comes down right. in all the city it attacks just that one guy. And it's not that funny scene except I love how all the New Yorkers just walking past the gargoyle fight and they like glance at it and keep going. Yeah, it sort of seems like like this movie almost gives you the impression occasionally that it's lower budget than it is. Because they clearly did not have extras walking by. They just Film this because no one is like well, still extras. Because, like, in real life, people will stop and watch the scene being filmed. Hmm. Like, the joke is New Yorkers don't give a shit. Like, this man is fighting clearly this malevolent alien that's <laughs> like tearing at his scalp and he's throwing around there's like honestly I didn't even recognize it as a joke Gremlins 2 is the gift that keeps giving no, it's definitely because I've, I've walked past like where they're filming things before and there's always a 30 person deep crowd of everyone wanting to see a celebrity or be on camera or something so those were paid extras to be like remember don't give a shit this old man desperately your help. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. 
then he throws it down into wet concrete, and then it flies up to like the Notre Dame Cathedral or something. I didn't realize yeah. which one it was. And freezes in place as a gargoyle on one of the minarets, parapets, what do you call this? Um, I don't know. It's kind of Yeah, ass cloak. 
was happening. And then they go back to the lab. This, I think this is when they actually make the electricity guy. Like, I think before that, like, he came in last minute. It doesn't matter which scene, yeah, which one's yeah. in, but I love the gag because he, one of them takes ass and throws the other guy's face, and that one actually comes back later on for a five second gag. But the acid beaker is labeled acid do not throw in face. <laughs> so it's like, throws in this friend's face immediately. And not a human victim, I like one of the other grills is poking through things like, hey, push through I just love their whole vibe. <laughs> it's, um, and Christopher Lee informs Billy that he does have some small assault weapons <laughs> in a locker in the lab just in case. So they go for those and the lightning one comes back, right? Yeah, and the lightning one shocks Christopher Lee. Yeah, it kills Christopher Lee. Okay. And uh, Billy is left. silence because he was magnificent. <laughs> and the movie is still pretty good after this, but it lost something. <laughs> it lost its. It lost its Christopher Lee. Well, that's what uh, he's trying to bargain with the race. Like, I can give you diseases. Oh my god, Wouldn't you? He's just clearly evil all the time. Um, oh no. The whole gang in the beginning when he steals the. Like, his receptionist's handkerchief. Oh, yeah, I had written that down, actually. Uh, he was supposed to get the flu this week, and they sent him rabies again. And then she sneezes. Well, that was just the way they keep phrasing lines, like, I was supposed to get the flu this week. Rabies. I already have rabies. <laughs> Just in the ambiguous language, like is he infected or whatever. But sorry, go on now. Oh yeah, no. A fantastic. Yeah, you definitely lose something with when uh, Christopher Lee is gone. Because the secretary has, she's sniffling or something, he just kind of have that. Snotty rag puts in his pocket. That's our introduction to the character, actually. But when he dies, I mean, it's a sad moment because we lose our Christopher 
flee, but is immediately followed by a gremlin firing an assault rifle or assault Uh, 
and the gremlin gives uh, its rendition of answer, like uh, you know, it's intentions. It's yeah, it's intentions for uh, once they get out into New York City, they want to see the shows. He says they want to see the shows. There's also a lot of street crime, but I believe we can watch that for free. <laughs> we also like he mentioned Susan Sontag as one of the. Which I was like, Susan Sontag name drop, but. <laughs> Plays music. Susan Sontag. <laughs> Just the things that he promotes. Uh, he straight up murders one of his gremlin brethren. Just to make a point, right? Like, it's Dion's guy. It's like, now take this phone, for example. Now that wasn't civilized. It was fun, but it wasn't civilized. And we're seeing this interview from the perspective of a bunch of gremlins in the bar downstairs, right? (laughs) Yes. Because just pans over the scene like complete destruction and things being torn to shit with her dressing up and just throwing things at each other. And the couple of them are watching the TV <laughs> and cheering at a great like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also love how seriously Dracula is taking it's kind of like a little bit before that, the, the, they put the lightning criminal on hold. Like he's, he's, they're bolting around the room, they catch him in the phone and put him on hold, so then, not only did he get turned into from this injection a cartoon lightning gremlin, he's also data. In <laughs> 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 the end of civilization video, there's just a lot of stuff. stuff. That's based on a real thing. Yeah, they actually have some networks have like disaster. I thought that was like a specifically Ted Turner thing too, right? Yeah. Well, the end of civilization video specifically is. Yeah. Montage of like waterfalls and rabbits and 
Sunned Apple Woods with the air sun. We hope you've enjoyed our programming. And most importantly, we hope you enjoyed life. Yes! And we have things like tearing up and reading along with the world delicious like firewood. <laughs> I believe that's where we introduce the lightning gremlin. Or at least to Dan- Daniel Clamp. That's where yeah. it gets stuck on a hole. Right? Well, that's where they come with the. Yeah. He catches it in the phone and puts the phone hole in that. It's enough to contain it. Yeah. And that's when they come up with the lobby plan of they're going to sell the clocks for convincing it's nighttime, give them all the cats in the lobby and then let the sun in, which will kill them all. Which would be very useful at the sun of the building, much rather wise for that so far. I like their plan though. It's uh effective setting up stakes and goals for characters and I like that they don't do that at all. <laughs> well, I like the Daniel really excited about like yeah that'll work and they say and People will know you saved the city and think it's more excited. <laughs> but that's not his only motivation. He's already gonna do it. He's they will! I just really also when Marla comes back for the first time in like an hour to get stuck in the spider web. Yes! Well, for sarcastically, she's walking out like, hello, is anyone still working here? It's <laughs> like with Matt Smart, she's oh, this is new. I <laughs> 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 don't care about anything. She's essentially the, uh,. Almost the millennial character who just walks forward on their phone. Not paying attention, except she's like looking at her nails, I think. I think she's looking around, she saw the lights are out. Oh, back when she walks right into this. We can see because we have to. Yeah. Like, she can't really see where she's going. Yeah. Okay. But she's still not panicked by it. She's just... I think it seems like a little bit too lit still for... Well, it's a trap. You don't see her silhouette, like... Okay. It's not more than that. I mean, I think we know that it would have actually to her, but I think it's meant to suggest that yeah. her shadow and she can't see it. I just think that in movies, 
What do you mean to convey darkness? We shouldn't see anything on screen. That's one man's correct opinion. It's pretty fair. That's one humanity's correct opinion. It pisses me off when movies is like a nighttime scene and they just make everything almost pitch dark and blue. Consults the actress' facial expressions and how people are on screen. That's not how night works. Yeah. What world are you trying to sell us on? Although kind of is. You might just have really bad night vision. I said I don't want to worry you. I don't want to disturb you, but I've actually seen a lot of things at night. <laughs> That's... Setting up just a 
giant, what do you call those, those big drop cloth Hollywood background things? There's a specific word for it. Oh, I don't, I would not know. When setting up the, the blood painting of a background outside the lobby with these giant cartoon stars and moons drawn on it. So even before that, because that itself is pretty fantastic. So as soon as he's like, I'm going to save the city, he's like, I finally have a reason to use my secret exit. And it's like, yes, of course he has a secret exit. And his secret exit is awesome. I forget if it's uh, under a plant on the street. Yeah, it's under a, a tree and a planter. Yeah. And that one rises up. And then he appears and all the media like swarms around him wanting to know what's going on. He's like, oh, nothing's going on. It's like, it's a very similar to that, the one in black too, which is not a good one. Where <laughs> it's sort of just an elevator with a little plastic cylinder in it. Yeah. Gremlins 2 was the sequel that did it right. Yeah. Uh, and that's how the neighbor from the first movie gets into the actual building. Teaches his wife. <laughs> he does. Kind of just been confused this whole time. Uh, his arc is probably one of my favorites. I mean, as much as you can described in Ark in this movie. Because he knows he's not crazy now. Because he got the gargoyle one. That's the best part. It's the whole time he's like fighting. He's like, I didn't see gremlins. That's not a thing. I'm not crazy. And I'm, I'm past that now. I've moved on. And then he acknowledges that they are real. Fuck anyone who says otherwise, I'm gonna deal with this shit. And they just, and they go on time, I just kicks their ass. He <laughs> does! Uh, he's kind of the real hero. Uh, so yeah, so he saves Billy from googly eyes, right? From googly eyes, who's <laughs> and has not really um, put him in a dentist chair. He's going to do dentistry on him. Yeah, like it's the it's the gremlins always playing around too much rather than being a verb threat. Like he's probably gonna kill him because he's got dentistry. But it's not like he's trying to kill dentistry. He is trying to drill his teeth because he knows that's what dentists do. <laughs> it's pretty fun, but he's just, he 
He's got the full covered mask on, he's got the lab coat, he's sort of swinging around the dentist room. Because there's no coordination, but his mouth is proper, which is like, They're so kind and cute. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how. Billy meets me to find out this character's name. What is the old man's name? Uh, I can find that out. I know the last I want to say Willie. It can't be. No, I remember his last name I wrote down. Uh, her father had tri- how her father died. 
her, her father had dressed up as Santa Claus and tried to climb down the chimney, got stuck, and they didn't find him for a couple weeks. And they didn't know he was there. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's the grossest. Because the first movie's actually pretty dark sometimes. But it's a big scene, and, like, she acts the hell out of it, and she's all traumatized, she's in space and stuff. And this one, someone just mentions Abraham Lincoln, and she also has a traumatic childhood story for a Lincoln's birthday. <laughs> Or a guy who looked like Abe Lincoln in the park or something. <laughs> and she just sort of stops shy and she's staring off in his face for sighting it. And her livid boyfriend is like, okay, we know, come on. As <laughs> <laughs> if she has 40 or 50 of these stories. It's not, it's, it's, it's going, I like it because it's going for something different than the first. So the first one is doing that, they're, they're poking at the trope of like the, uh, the, the dramatic like backstory that's not actually connected, but it gives you some context to understand what's happening. Why they're all grim or something. Yeah. And it's like, and the joke in Gremlins is this doesn't connect at all. This is stupid. But they play up this dark story and and Gremlins 2 is just poking at Gremlins 1. Yeah, they don't even she doesn't even finish the story. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> and it's so random. That was one where I didn't get that part until I'd seen the first movie more Yes. I like, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the musical number out of fucking nowhere and now we're at the climax of the movie like they've had their their fun chaos montage which is my favorite half hour of the movie I think and now they're going to resolve it but all the grown-ups have gathered in the lobby and are doing a coordinated musical number featuring that one female gremlin and a giant multi-part poster that made of her head. Yeah, and just which is a nod to a famous movie that I've not seen. And it was the 19th. 34. What did they take that from? I mean, that whole sequence, they're referencing other movies and culture. Like, they kind of just throw it all at the screen. Because unless I'm mistaken, that's also where we get the Phantom of the Opera bit. 
Yeah, well, without the Optimist, the Astrogum from before, he's contributing to musical numbers by just wailing on these, uh, this pipe organ in full, like, regalia with the mask on, and the other gremlin, like, steals his mask, and half his face is melted. It says you have the gremlin with the WB tattoo covering its entire chest. Yeah, you have the, the flasher gremlin. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's around the time you have a gremlin who someone takes its picture and it just turns into bones. Yeah. Okay. During the flash. So, Joe Dante claimed the gremlin's musical numbers as shameless steal from the film Dane. In 1934, which is another Warner Brothers release, I had the rights to it. According to IMDb's trivia section, which is user contributed and always kind of hit or miss, but yeah, I believe it because I don't know names. Yeah, this is, and they just have a bunch of little sight gags, like Gremlins in various costumes, and they're all fucking around doing the Gremlins thing. <laughs> Fan of the opera was my favorite one, but yeah, there's the... They're taking each other's pictures, but Brian like, kills them, so he takes a picture, and it's a good picture, but it's just a skeleton left over and stuff. Yes. It's all very cartoon. Meanwhile, outside... Oh, and a bunch of them are, like, going over a military stockpile with the uh, implication that they're gonna take over the city and it's oh, gonna be a lot of destruction. Yeah. they got, like, bazookas and dynamite. But meanwhile, outside... Damn, Fam's entire plan falls apart because there are clouds and it's gonna rain. Which A takes the sun away and B means they'll reproduce like crazy when they come outside. Uh, well, that's, so it's a huge disaster. That's a good point. Uh, a good time to bring up what his actual plan was, which is. You set the clocks for it, like, okay, uh, assuming they're reading the clocks at all, fine. But then you're hanging that, just this huge painting of nighttime skies. Yeah. And it's literally like an eight-year-old druid. Yeah. Um, and the best part about it is that I think that would work. I think the gremlins would think 
It's yeah. nighttime. It's hella nighttime. Well, not pay attention because you're busy doing dance and we're punctuated by random explosions of violence <laughs> and occasional psychics. This is also one where the vegetable gremlin is just popping olives out for himself for everyone's party. I forgot about that. It's just, it's all very good. But to compensate for the, the day of plan going away, the, it's the clowns of the movie, and what they do is they spray them all down with a fire hose. They get all wet and start popping out a bunch more villains and Twitter things, and then they transfer the call down from the office, which has the electrical one in it, and it kills everyone. And the melting effects are so gross. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's kind of a great climax in a couple ways, because, I mean, you have the real climax, which is just the gremlins fucking off for a few minutes, which is great. But the resolution of oh, our original plan doesn't work at all, and then we have to transfer the call with electricity goblin to kill them all, I thought was a lot of fun. That was a really cool thing. I, I mean, at least when I saw it as a kid, I did not see it coming, and I still think it's pretty great. It's like the entire from formation new plan to the end of it is like a minute and a half or something <laughs> of screen time during which Mori confronts his demons by actually like punching Roman to death. To get the fire hose. Well, he gets he gets flashed by one, and he just kicks it in the balls. That's Kate flying. Huh? That's Kate. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Because of the trench coat, the sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) So more, yes, one jump on his hand. Slams into a wall and he just punches death, or is it like a, he uses a thing on it? I don't remember that. But he kills death. But then it's a team effort because there's he's doing the hose thing and she's transferring the column, dealing with the idea, and then. Marlo's just nervous right she's smoking. <laughs> That's her part. So women in this movie are uh, either in positions of power where really all they're good at is smoking or they're not in positions of power where what they're good at is saving the day by transferring their call. <laughs> 
Okay, good at everything. She just was cast as a secondary main character. No, she's she's clearly the hero. Like, if if they give Billy's idea to Kate, it would have been much more consistent. He would have done absolutely nothing to
because he can do that. He's way more likable than Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And, wait, is that sort of melodramatic line about how he's not going to miss this mill, this building, because this building was a place for things, not people. And when you build a place for things, things come. <laughs> Which things can is also one of my many favorite parts of it of the movie as a whole. Like, I love that little bit. It's also like, I feel like it's a take on something. I don't remember what, but it's a very... Like, suddenly dramatic and self-aware. I kind of unironically love it joke or not, I'm like, oh, I, I like this little bit. I think it's fun. But it's also meta and making fun of itself at the same time. Yeah. And then it ends with poor is still stuck upstairs with Lady Gremlin, which is just so off-putting every time it sounds true. Um, and if they're staging a wedding with the couple girls or so I'm up in the bathroom with them. Yes. And, well, because the female girlfriend is Pepin the Pew, so 80s bro. You know, when we see him, when we catch up to him now, he's got all of these, like, huge lipstick smudges on his face. And his shirt's kind of undone a little bit. He's been being molested for the entire Uh, 
worth it. Um, the... I think I've described almost all the gags in the movie, but there's there's a lot more. Like it's a... well, there's there's a lot of wit and satire. I really like that when Daniel Flint comes in at the end, and it's all been resolved, and he's like. Uh, he happens to see, somehow he comes across Billy's drawing of his hometown. Right. And he realizes, he's like, and that's what leads to the thing about the whole, you build a place for things, things come. Um, he sees his pictures like, this is what I've been looking for. Um, this is what people want now, the traditional community thing. Yeah. Like, he's simultaneously, like, enamored and dismissive of it. Because <laughs> he just wants to... He, he wants to obviously exploit it, but in a sort of pure appreciation of it, it's really weird. Yeah, like he doesn't, it doesn't seem cynical, but it is. He actually, I mean, I mean, it is in a, he wants to build it, but he's a real estate developer and it looks like he's actually charmed by it. Like, it's a weird kind of... He, but he's charmed by it without getting it, though. Well, yeah, but he doesn't get yeah. anything that's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand, like, he, he comes across by the end of the movie, it's like, Legitimately pretty good hearted, just dumb, which is. which I like. I don't know. Oh, I. I no, I agree. Daniel Clapp is. the best version of Trump we could get. Why well, John Glover is like. I've never seen him in something where he wasn't. Even like as a villain, like one of the things I wanted to see on screen way more. Well, it's even like four or five things that I can't remember what. Oh, I mean, Smallville's the big one for like my age group, but I also didn't really like that show, so it's super. I've only seen pieces of it. I feel like I've seen him as an elf somewhere. Oh wait, wasn't he... Wasn't he the... Uh, Malfoy? Wasn't he... Something Malfoy in Harry Potter? No, the um... There's the kid Malfoy, and then the father was that guy who looks a lot like Ian McKellen. Like young Ian McKellen. Interesting. 
guess I'm playing in the cone that I know of, but he should. When they make the young Gandalf movie. Oh, they got? Is that a real thing? Oh, not as far as I know. Uh, but give it time. He was played by, although his name right, but I think Jason Isaacs. Yeah, Jason Isaacs. Who, for my money, looks exactly like Ian McKellen 40 years ago. But John Glover has been in. Uh, he was in Batman Robin, he was in Payback, he was in Scrooge, Gremlins 2. The Lost Wife, we go on. The Good Wife, Agent Carter. You watched that one, didn't you? Yeah. They actually had a pretty good first season. He plays an SSR informer. He plays a not main character in a lot of stuff. He's in the Blacklist. Sanitarium, Tron Uprising, Smallville Medium, Tron Evolution, Earth Ring, oh, who's getting heroes, Numbers, Law and Order. Yeah, so like a lot of. He's also just really good. I'll always appreciate him as Daniel Flam. His best role. It's a pretty good role. So what do you think of Gremlins 2? Would you recommend this one? Oh my god. <laughs> Every chance I get. If you watch this movie, I mean, I guess I can understand people that just hate it because it's really silly and campy. You can't take it seriously at all. And some of the gags now might not, like, they're just kind of silly. If you're not, if you're not into that, it's gonna come off as just kind of stupid and whatever. But, uh, especially for the time it's made, uh, how crazy and zany it gets, it is very fresh. I, I feel like it definitely, it took its premise and it, it, it jumped the shark, but in like a, it's in a knowing and determined way. It was like, 
It was determined to not let the Reagramans through. It heard. It heard that jumping the shark was a thing you should do. It was like, fuck that. We are jumping the shark and riding it as far as we can. And it's. It's fantastic to see something as pure and ridiculous as that. Yeah, I, um, it's one of my favorite movies, honestly. I don't know if it's top 10, but it's top 40, easy. Oh yeah, I'm there. It's one of those movies I've seen like eight or nine times and feel like if I give it a month or two, I can watch it again again. Yes. Not like back to back, but yeah, one of those ones that I like it. it the, the setup is the boring-ish part, but still pretty funny. Yeah, the first 20 or 30 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. But somebody Bad. No, it's, it's just standard. And yeah. Then, like the middle part, I can just watch that sequence <laughs> a couple times in the same day and not be bored of it. I mean, pretty much as soon as you get into Clan Towers, it is a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, strong recommend for me. I'm glad I have it in digital form where I can put on the background while I'm doing other stuff because I have several times and I'll several more times. Yeah, strong recommend. So, I'll do it for this week. I don't know what or this month. I don't know what we're going to do next time. I'm probably going to make it a poll. Would you want to do either Labyrinth or... Uh, I'm curious to do either one. Okay. One of those. Because both of them are ones that I've wanted to rewatch. Yeah. Um, preferably before the uprising. The uprising. The manatee. Right. I forgot you were trying to take this and make it something terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to try to make that a poll. I'm going to figure out how to do a poll on Patreon. And then one of those two will be probably a month or two from now. Because you also have some, a couple other ones that are on backlog, but... Okay, it'll happen. Cool. Yeah, and, and, and once again, for people 
people home. Scoop hip you. <laughs> I hope I'm not like activating a sleep agent somewhere with that or something. Cause I don't know what it means. <laughs> this is all part of an elaborate plan. Listen, if that's gang related, I don't know about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matinee manatees. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, the Stitcher app, or on YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and hundreds of others on his website in Thanks for listening. <laughs>